Yes, absolutely. Thank you to everyone who has come this week and pitched in to help us get everything ready for Vacation Bible School. It starts tomorrow. Uh, here at Calvary, we do our VBS in the evening, uh, so we'll be going from 6 to 9 p.m., uh, so it's going to be a lot of fun. We've already got a bunch of kids already pre-registered, and we're planning for some more, obviously, to show up tomorrow and, and be ready for a fun week here at VBS. Well, I've, as you can see, we're taking them to the desert of the Southwest United States of America. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going we're gonna to have fun. I was talking to some of the kids as they were getting ready to go down to kids' church earlier, and one of the kids said, hey, in a second, we get to go through the canyon I thought, oh, that's gonna, you're going to have so much fun. They were talking about that hallway. I don't know if you saw it when you came in, uh, but they've got it all decked out, looking like a canyon, and the kids get to go through it. It's going to be a whole lot of fun, and uh, I want you, if you would, to pray with us uh, today and leading up into the evening tomorrow, as well as all next week, uh, for all of those that are uh, going to help us staff everything that's going to happen, as well as all the kids as they get ready to come, and, and our prayer is that their hearts would be open to receive the Word of God and that they would experience the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit this next week. Uh, so let that be your prayer. If you would, that would be wonderful. We, we definitely uh, would love for you to join us in prayer for that. Amen. I also wanted to let you know about what is happening as far as our Bible missions. So last month we started... Uh, we started in a direction that Brother Billy has given us vision for to help us fund the translation and the smuggling of Bibles into other countries and into other languages, obviously, uh, so that believers in these other parts of the world can have the same access to the Word of God that we get to enjoy here in the United States. And so I just wanted to give you a quick update on that. If you would, uh, real quick, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm not going to preach, but I just want to share just mm -hmm. something really short with you. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm just going to start reading from verse 1. Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. And he says, I really don't need to write to you about this ministry of giving for the believers in Jerusalem. For I know how eager you are to help. And I've been boasting to the churches in Macedonia that you in Greece were ready to send an offering a year ago. In fact, it was your enthusiasm that stirred up many of the Macedonian believers to begin giving. But I am sending these brothers to be sure you are really, you really are ready, as I have been telling them, and that your money is all collected. I don't want to be wrong in my boasting about you. We would be embarrassed, not to mention your own embarrassment, if some Macedonian believers came with me and found that you weren't ready after all I had told them. So I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make sure the gift you promised is ready. But I want it to be a willing gift. Someone say willing. Not given grudgingly. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. And in the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. You will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So, two good things will result from the ministry of giving. Number one, the needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met. And number two, they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. For your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the gospel, the good news of Christ. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. Thank God for this gift, too wonderful for words. Amen. 
And you may be thinking, why in the world, if you could put that verse back up there for one second, please say it. You may be thinking, why in the world did they put that scripture up on the screen that's too small for us to even read? It's, it's really hard to read. Listen, this is a, a, not only is this a wonderful portion of scripture, but what we just read is 15 verses. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 has 15 verses in it. And I wanted to thank you, church, for giving because this last month, in the month of May, we were able to fund the translation of 15 verses of Scripture, which would be the equivalent of 2 Corinthians chapter 9 going into a, uh, a language such as the Sangha language in um, Gabon, which is a, a Central African country that uh, there are di- different Bible organizations that are in the process of getting together translation for this country in Central Africa. And because of your generosity, we've been able to help fund 15 verses to be translated into a different language. And that seems maybe not like a lot. It's just one small portion of, of such a large book. But that's a big deal to someone who has never had the Bible in their language that they could read with their own eyes. And so let me tell you, church, the eternal reward for that is going to be absolutely tremendous, absolutely tremendous. There's over one billion people today that don't have access to even one verse of Scripture in their own language. And so I'm excited that we have chosen, as according to Brother Billy's vision for Calvary, I'm so excited that we've chosen to be a part of, of the generation that changes that. Amen. Amen. So thank you for that. Also, uh, we, we've decided to go two ways. Not only are we wanting to help fund the translation of the Bible, but also help fund getting the Bible into countries where it's restricted. Um, and there are over 60 countries in the world where the Bible is illegal. But the need for Bibles in these countries where it is considered illegal is just skyrocketing. There are believers in these countries that need and desire and really want the Word of God in their hands. And so we want to help fund that as well. And we are uh, joining up with Voice of the Martyrs to help make that happen. Um, And as I told you last month, $30 can help get up to five Bibles into restricted countries. And so in the month of May, Calvary here, we helped fund the smuggling of 87 Bibles into restricted nations. So come on, that's big. That's big. So I want to share a a small story with you. This is from uh, Voice of the Martyrs. There's a woman named Armida. She clutched her bag as she made her way to a table in the small cafe. After ordering tea, she carefully placed the bag on the floor between her feet and glanced around the crowded room. She smiled, knowing that what she had placed on the floor was about to change lives. But she also knew that members of her country's secret police could be among the crowd and arrest her. Dear Jesus, she prayed silently, please use this to draw people to you. And one by one, the cafe customers searched their phones for a Wi-Fi connection, and when they found one that didn't require a password, they clicked on it. But instead of a page stating the Wi-Fi's terms and conditions, an offer for a free digital download of the New Testament, the Injil, appeared on their screens. After Armida finished her tea and paid her bill, she picked up her bag and went home. She planned to do the same thing the next day in a local park. In highly restricted nations, faithful believers find creative ways to share the gospel on a regular basis. They use everything from underground printing presses to modern technology, such as these Wi-Fi hotspots like Armida uses, and SD cards that can be shared among house members. These smugglers who risk imprisonment and even death to carry out the essential gospel work, they need our prayers and they need our support. And so here at Calvary Tabernacle, we're committing to help support these brothers and sisters in these countries where the Bible is considered illegal. And so we're going to share with you the first Sunday of every month about the progress that we've made, 15 verses translated, 87 Bibles smuggled, and we're going to keep you updated on that. But we want to continue to encourage you to give, to give to make this happen. I love what Paul told the church in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 that we just read. He said, remember this, a a farmer who plants sparingly will also reap sparingly. He said, so plant to reap a large harvest. 
And he says this, here's the promise that when you do that, God will increase your household. He will increase you. And I love this because we're not just talking about money here. We're talking about we're talking about people. We're talking about souls in other places. Whenever we sow a seed into souls, that is going to multiply. It's going to cause increase. And that's what we as the body of believers, as the church of Jesus Christ, should be excited about. And that's what Paul says. Don't give reluctantly. Don't give under pressure. And here at Calvary Tabernacle, we take that same approach. We, we don't pass around offering bags because we don't want you to feel like you have to give reluctantly or under pressure. We've got the boxes in the back that you can just drop it in anytime because we want our congregation to be a congregation that gives cheerfully, that gives cheerfully, just as Paul encouraged the church in Corinth. And so I want to encourage you to do the same. Whatever God puts on your heart to give, we want to ask you to give and to give cheerfully. And so I want to pray for us real quick as I hand this over to Brother Billy. Brother Bill, you are welcome to come on up. Father, thank you so much. Thank you for the vision that you have given our church, that we can carry the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ to other ends of the, of the country, other ends of the world. And Lord, we pray that, that what is happening with our Christian brothers and sisters all across the world, God, that you would c- cause it to increase, that you would protect them, God, that you would give them wisdom and direction for every move to make in these countries where it's highly illegal to have a copy of your word. And Lord, I pray that you would give them great success in everything they set their hands and their minds to do. And Lord, I pray that we would do our part here. Lord, we've been so blessed with your word. God, I pray that we would be a blessing to others. Lord, you've said in your word in Genesis that you have blessed your people so that we can be a blessing, God. And I pray that we would be the biggest blessing that this side of Texas has ever seen, Lord. We love you so much, and we thank you for what you're doing. We're excited to be a part of sharing your good news with the rest of the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, church. Glad you all are here today. We're going to get started here. I tell you, I enjoy the presence of the Lord today. I'd like to thank Brother Sam. Um, a lot of these little things here. Um, I don't know how old some of these kids are, but they're not very old. Ella Jean put all that decorations on that. A lot of them painted all this stuff. Brother Sam had them all working. I don't care how old they were. Some of the elder ones doing all of this. We're looking for the power of the Holy Ghost to move and work in their lives. Kids need to learn there's more to God than just coming to church. Must learn to be, help build things like this. We're going to preach here in a minute. Rebuilding is a hard job. And sometimes a church has to be rebuilt. Sometimes lives have to be rebuilt. I've seen people in rehab that thought they'd never walk again because people had patience with them. And I'm here to say this morning, we go in this message this morning, your life, you ought not accept it where it is. You ought to think something bigger and better for your life. You don't accept that you can't do this and you can't do that. You can recover. You can be rebuilt. I would, Peggy and I went out to eat the other day, and she wanted to stop by the, what is the owl's nest? And, uh, you know, I can go through that thing and look at everything they got in just a few minutes. And I went through there, and, and I saw this man in a wheelchair, and he had no legs. I mean, he was way off up to here. I said, how are you doing today? He said, I'm doing great. I said, you know, I can't have no complaints in my life. Come on, you ought to shout hallelujah. If you can get up and walk, you ought to shout hallelujah. If you can just barely move, you ought to shout hallelujah. I thought, my goodness, there he has no legs, but he has no complaint. No, no, no complaint whatsoever. 
how good things is. I want to share with you this morning. When I was in the Navy, we went up the, I believe, the Rhine River and, and killed Germany. Some of us went over to Hamburg, Germany. Most of that city was still barricaded off because of the bombing in World War II. That was in 57. Things has to be rebuilt. It takes courage. It takes strength. It takes determination. It takes perseverance to rebuild. This Bible is full about rebuilding. You can rebuild. You can rebuild your attitude. Brother Ken done a wonderful job this morning in the Sunday school lesson. I'd like to turn to the book of Ezra, the 8th chapter, verse 21 and verse 23. The book of Ezra. The book of Ezra is about rebuilding. Same way at the Nehemiah. Both of those books pretty well go together about rebuilding. It's a wonderful thing to be involved in rebuilding. I've heard people say sometime when they start remodeling a house, I don't know who built this house, nothing in here square. Listen, it's it been standing there 40, 50 years. It, it's going to shift and move and, you know, and all that kind of thing. It can't be square no more. It's our responsibility to try to make it new again. So let's look at this Ezra, the 8th chapter, verse 21 to 23. And I proclaim a fast. There at the river I shall submit that we might afflict ourselves before our God and seek him. What kind of way? A right way. There's going to be three things we're going to discuss here this morning. I'm going to skill a right way us and for what? Little ones. And for all or what are substance. It means possession. Then let's go on to verse 22. For I was ashamed. My Bible done got too small. I can't hardly read it. I think that's what's wrong. To acquire of the king of hand of soldiers and horses and men to help us against the enemy in the way. Because we have spoken unto the king saying, the hand of our God is up on all them for good, and him by his power and his wrath is against them that forsake him. For we fast and besought our God for this. He must entreat us. We've been trying to share with you a message the first of every month since January of this year, to fast and to pray. One can chase how many? Prayer can chase a thousand. But if you're going to do bigger than that, you're going to have to do what? Fast. Two chase how many? When you add fasting to prayer, you'll see a greater result in your personal experience with God. I want to share with you this morning, your personal experience with God has to come first before anything else. So he calls a nationwide prayer and fasting for them to do these things that they're fixing to do. They're going to go rebuild. We find in chapter 7 and 6, Ezra came up from Babylon, and he was a skillful scriber of the law of Moses, which the Lord God of Israel had given. The king, I want you to notice this now, as we go along, the king granted Ezra all his request according to the hand of the Lord, his God, upon him. And Ezra had purposed in his heart to seek the Lord and not only to seek him, but to do it. It's one thing to seek God, but it's another thing to do what God wants us to do. In chapter 10, in verse 1, while Ezra was praying... He was confessing and weeping and bound down before the house of God. A very large assembly of men and women and children gathered to him from Israel. For the people wept very bitterly. Now, Ezra said, we're going to seek God for what reason? That he would show us the right way. 
Persons need to walk in the right way. Jesus says, I am the way. I like Brother Sam reading those things for these people. The Word of God is the voice of God that speaks to us. It is written by holy men as they moved on by the Spirit of God. So when you're reading the Word of God, you're actually talking face-to-face with God. He changes the life when we read the Word of God. And Ezra proclaimed a fast, a nation worldwide, for God and seek Him for what reason? Number one is seeking Him for what? We read it in verse 21, the right way. There's a lot of ways. Some When I first got into church, somebody told me, I said, well, there's a lot of roads lead to Chicago. I said, I know that, but there's only one road leads to heaven. There's not many roads leading to heaven. There's only one, and that one is Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. That is the only way to the kingdom of God is through Jesus Christ. And so he began to, he didn't want to err on this. Ezra did not. He bows himself down. We as Christians first learn how to bow ourselves down before God and seek the right way. There's a many ways that have been professed throughout the years. Ezra came and he said, I'm not, I was not ashamed of the king. Now he's not going to ask the king for any money. We just read back over there in chapter 7. The king, he had such favor with the natural king that the natural king gave him everything that he asked for. Isn't that wonderful that you'd have that kind of influence on a king? But I want you to notice here when he was seeking the right way, he didn't go to the king. He didn't go to him. He didn't go ask him. He knew the king probably would give him everything he asked for, but he didn't go to the king. He's going to one that has all power, all authority in heaven and earth, and that's Jesus Christ. That's who he goes to to seek the right way. He won't make sure. How many of you need to make sure you're in the right way? Well, we need to make sure we're in the right way. Ezra says, I was ashamed to require of the king of a band of soldiers, horses. In other words, I was, I was not going to ask him for his great army. Now, in a minute, we'll see why. He was carrying gold and silver everything brother james to help rebuild the temple what nehemiah was going to rebuild he was carrying precious stuff how I many you know the most precious treasure you have in life is not your natural thing it's the treasure of god that's inside you there's only one that can protect that and that's king jesus he wants you to protect your treasure that's inside of you the gift of god so he didn't ask the king to help do that because he had not the power. I mean, you know, a lot of times we trust in earthly things, but it has no power to protect us. Brother Kim is telling a wonderful story about almost a head-on collision with an 18-wheeler in Melinda and just how they just barely escaped it. No natural thing can do that. The Spirit of God in our lives and the angels of God in our lives. How many believe you got angels? You got them gathered around you, and they're there to help you to seek God the right way. And then he said, as we fasted and prayed and besought our God, thus he was in treat of us. Now, I want to title this this morning, Fasting and Praying for Protection. We ought to make it a habit. Not We pray, but we ought to fast. If you're not getting the results you're looking for, if you'll put fasting with it, I guarantee you, you'll see a different results. You'll see things leave your life, your personal life that you've been praying for years and never left. But when you put those two together, fasting and praying, you'll see a miraculous thing take place in your spiritual life like you've never experienced before in your life. Because fasting, when you read in the Bible to flick the flesh, it means to fast. How many know that your flesh don't like to do what? He'll give you a thousand and one reason why you shouldn't fast. He'll tell you more lies than anything else. He's a liar and the father of all lies because he knows when you start fasting and praying, something's going to change in your life. Something miraculous is going to take place in your life when you fast and pray. 
And not only that, we want to mention, too, a breakthrough. Fasting and praying for a spiritual breakthrough. If you need a breakthrough in your spiritual life, I would encourage you to pray and fast, and you will see a spiritual breakthrough. This is a spiritual warfare. We're not fighting with flesh and blood. We're fighting the spiritual darkness of hell that's coming against us. And we're more than conquerors. How many believe you, Brother Michael, you say, I know I'm going to win. I read the end of the book. How many know you're more than a winner? Amen? Greater is he that's in you than he that's in this world. You can conquer anything that comes against us when we have faith in God and believe God is with us. So there's going to be a spiritual breakthrough here, and he wants to know the right way. I mean, no, you really need to be in the right way. Being in the wrong way can really be costly. Now, the armies of God is greater for you. As Ezra saw the armies of God and what was going to be with him was greater than the armies of the king could send with him. So he didn't trust in the arm of flesh. He trusted in God. Seek God first, and all these things shall be added in you. Now, he's seeking for the right way. The host of heaven, I may believe the host of heaven is for you. Everything God created is for you. Everything God created works for you. What about the sun? Glory to God. Joshua was in a great battle. He wanted to win that battle, and the sun was going down. And what did he do? The Bible said if you have the faith of a grain of a mustard seed, you could speak to this mountain, and it will obey you. He had the faith of a grain of mustard seed, and he, don't you know he spoke out loud? I don't believe he spoke softly. I believe he looked up to that sun and said, I command you to stand still. He didn't ask you for a fleshly reason, but he was in a spiritual warfare. And when he looked up and told that sun to stand still, what did that sun do? Listen, when you in faith look at your problems, your troubles, and tell it to stand still, leave you alone, don't misunderstand the Scripture, some people pray, well, I'm going to drive him out. You're not going to do that. You're going to worry yourself and frustrate yourself. Jesus didn't do it. The devil left him for a season. Sometimes you'll get the victory, and sometimes the devil's going to come back. That's not a good word sometimes. He's going to come back. The Scripture speaks that very plainly. He's going to come back. But when you have the faith of God and the spirit and the power of God in our lives, we can stand up and look the sun right in the face and say, I command you to stand still. And the sun stood still because he had faith in God. The sun works for you. Everything God has created. You're surrounded by great clouds of witnesses. What about when they threw Jonah overboard? What was waiting on him when they threw him overboard to keep him from drowning? Somebody help me out. Now, what was waiting on him? Listen, when the devil tried to throw you overboard, I want you to know God's got something there already ready to rescue you. He's not going to let you go down. Peter said, if that be your God, walking on that water, command you to come to you. And he said, come, Peter. And Peter gets out of the boat and starts walking on the water. Hmm? I heard a message in Houston one time when a man had left his organization. And the organization said, you're going to drown. You can't make it without the organization. you got to have the organization. He said, I am stepping out of the organization, and I'm trusting in God. He didn't drown. I want you to know when you're Faith is in God. 
I don't care what your flesh says. It doesn't matter what the enemy of darkness says. You're going to drown. But I want you to know you may start down. Glory to God. He didn't drown. He just started down. And Jesus took him by his hand because he exercised his faith in God in the right way. When we walk in the right way and our faith and our trust is in God, we're not going to drown. You say, how come Peter? And most people say, well, you know, he didn't walk on the water. Read your Bible carefully. You'll find that he walked on water. But what caused him to sink? He got to look into the waves. He got to look into the storm. What causes us to fail God when we look at the things that's happening in the world and not got our eyes on Jesus. As long as he had his eyes on Jesus, which is the right way, he was able to do the impossible. You ought to shout hallelujah. God wants us to step in a place that we began to do the impossible, but what he's called us to do. I feel it so strong in my heart. Hallelujah. If God would talk to Hezekiah and said, you're going to die, set your house in order. And God asked him, said, so more or less said, what can I do? He said, make the sundial go backwards. That's a hard thing to do. You know, there's nothing too hard for God. And God said, I'll make it go backwards at your demand. Listen, when we call on God in faith and believe God and trust God, He will do the impossible for us. He will make things turn in our favor and let us to know that this is the right way. This is the right way. God wants you to be in the right way. The devil don't want you to walk in the right way. He prayed to be in the right way. In the right way. I pray for God. That may be wrong, but I got it written down. God, I want you to show me something. I don't want just this live of feelings. I want to see something miraculous. I want to see that sundial go backwards. I want to know whether I am in the right way or not. Listen, it doesn't matter about me. It matters about the kingdom of God and which way we're going. Amen. It matters that we are in the right way and have the right attitude. Your life can change that quick this morning. They're going to come and sing here in a minute and pray. And I want you, when you come to get prayed, I want you to come saying, I'm in the right way. I'm looking for God to do something for me this morning. I'm looking for the power of God to have a spiritual breakthrough in my life today, and I'll be changed forever in the right way of God. Oh, glory to God. The sun's far us. The moon is far us. The stars are far us. That's found in Deuteronomy 4. Also, the angels themselves, 1 Kings 19 and 12 and 19, angels are far us. How many of you are never alone? Jesus is with you. The angels is with you. Balaam was riding his donkey. His donkey stopped. He smote the donkey. And the donkey said, why come you hitting me? He said, I've been faithful to you all these years. And why come you hitting me? And he hit him. Hit that donkey. Listen, that donkey was seeing something that the prophet wasn't seeing. Is a flaming angel in front with a sword ready to kill the prophet. You ought to shout hallelujah right now. How many times that God has put something in our way that we was in the wrong way that he stopped us before we went any further. The angel of the Lord was separate. You might not have seen it visibly, but spiritually he's there to stop you, to keep you from going the wrong way and getting hurt and getting damaged in your life. Come on, church. God is with us, for us. All that he has is working for our lives. If he can cause a dumb, unclean donkey to speak and say, a oh, man, life, how much more can he speak to our hearts and our souls today to save our lives, to stay in the right way? They sought and fasted God for the right way. I'm going to stay in the way, the right way. When we get out of the way of God, the will of God, then we, we, we get in trouble. Glory to God. Hallelujah. The children of Israel enjoyed the fire by night, which represents the presence of God. They enjoyed the cloud by the daytime which enjoyed the presence of God. Everywhere you go, you are in the presence of God. And the Bible said in the New Testament, said, and 
faith was present to heal. I want you to encourage you this morning. You don't have to worry about it. Faith is present to heal you because the presence of God is here. The first thing you need to be healed is your spiritual mind. I love that Sunday school lesson this morning. You can have it up here, but unless it gets in here, it's not going anywhere. But when you get it up here and you get it in here, I guarantee you get the heartfelt spirit mind of God. Hallelujah. I've got to slow down. The Bible says we have the mind of Christ. How many believe you have the mind of Christ? That don't mean you don't make mistakes ever. And glory to God. They came to Jesus and said, Good Master, what must I do? He said, Don't call me good. There's none good. No, but the Father of only is good. So that means you and I have times we're not good, but there's something good inside of us. Amen? And sometimes this flesh gets a war against the Spirit and makes us feel like we're not right with God, but He's a liar and the Father of all lies. And God is with you wherever you are present to heal you in your mind, in your spirit, and in your finances. And whatever you are, He's not about to come. He's here present to heal and deliver you wherever you are because he's in love with you well don't nobody love me they may not but he does look to the one that loves you look to the one that loves you praise God God can cause a raven an unclean to take meat and feed the prophet twice a day. And I ask you, where this raven, he's a scavenger. He lives off of dead stuff. Eagle doesn't. Sue knows her eagles, right? An eagle will not eat dead stuff. It will catch its fresh fish daily. It can set up and see a fish. I don't forgot how about a mile up in the air. He got such eyes. He swoops down, or she does, and gets that fish. But the raven, he eats all the dead stuff. But if God can cause a raven to go to the king's table twice a day and get you a T-bone steak, cook rare, or cook well done, and bring it to you and deliver you where you are, how much more so that same God... He just had a shadow of things. And when we got the fullness of God, and the fullness, the Bible said, you're filled with the fullness and the glory of God. We must realize who we are. And quit, glory to God. We're what God has created us to be. How much more so? That was just a shadow. That was just a shadow, the Bible said. The Old Testament was just a shadow of what the real God is to us. He fed him. Amen. I mean, you might want your steak well done. I don't know how he brought it, but he brought it. Peggy likes her steak well done, and sometimes she wonders why it's so tough. And I know some people, I can't hardly eat beside them when they're eating a steak. I won't go into that. But whatever Elijah wanted, whoo, glory to God. It was present there every day. Elijah didn't have to worry about where breakfast is going to come from. He didn't have to worry about where supper is going to come from. God had already had it planned out. Had it planned out. God has everything working for us. If God can tell disciples to go fishing and take the first fish that comes up and open its mouth, and you'll get enough money out of there to pay your income tax. Isn't that wonderful? How many would like to go catch a fish and open his mouth and get enough money out of there to pay your income tax? Huh? You say, well, well, that was then. I was just reading just this week, and this morning I read it again. God tells the king, Jesus tells the king, listen, I walked yesterday. I'm going to walk today. I'm going to walk tomorrow. What he's saying, what I've done yesterday, I'll do today. And what I've done today, I'm going to do it tomorrow. You may be in tomorrow, but I want you to know what God has done in the past. He'll do today, and he'll do it tomorrow if the world doesn't come to the end. He's the same and respectful to everybody. Amen. In our Sunday, might have been on a Wednesday night. 
Sister Mary Corn said something in the class. They got a bill. Y'all know that Billy been in and out of that hospital, Lord, I don't know how much. And they looked at it. They had to pay it. And she said, we didn't know how in the world we was going to pay that when we looked at it. But if you ever talk to Mary, and during all those times that Billy's had so much ups and downs, you'll never find that she, her faith was never down. It was always up. And she looked at it, and then she said, we didn't know how we was going to pay it. But hallelujah. But the money came in from somewhere. I don't know where she knew where or what, how. You don't need to know him, where, what, how, but you know that you're God. <laughs> Hallelujah. He might have looked in that fish's mouth and got some money and paid your debt. Amen. He's always present to heal, deliver you, and set you free when you're in the right way. Stay in the right way. Fast and pray until you get the mind of God. Something else they did. They prayed protection for their children. How many believe that we're in an era right now? They calling it mental illness. It's been on the increase since 2020. And it's increasing rapidly, even up till now. Mental illness. Oh, what are we going to do? i tell you what we're going to do. We're going to fast, and we're going to pray for our children. Amen? You're worried about your children when they're off, right? Can I share with you a message from Brother Drew Joyner when I first got into church? He said, I'm going to preach it so plain, it's going to like two eggs sunny side up laying on a platter, and you won't miss it. He preached about angels one night. He said, there's no need you to sit up and worry about your children. You're wasting your time. Woo, glory to God. He said, God has signed them an angel when they were born. It doesn't matter where they are. If you're praying and seeking God, God can protect that child. You can't protect your child, but God can protect your child wherever it is. Come on, church, when we begin to fast and pray for our children, Hallelujah, what's happening around in our world today. We ought to be praying, listen, that our children, when we send them off to school in the morning or when they grow up, glory to God, that they can walk in the knowledge of God. Hallelujah. You can do every earthly thing that you possibly can and which you should do, but that does not mean you can protect your children. But I want to share with you what will protect your children is that angel that God has signed to them, and God hears your prayers, and you're praying and fasting for that child to be safe. We ought to be praying every day for our children to be safe in our schools. Brother Ken mentioned something else this morning, and I, I mentioned this a lot of time with Peggy, and I don't know why we do it, but we do it. We'll gather around and pray. Well, we're going on a vacation. I'm not being critical that we're going on a vacation. Be sure y'all pray for us as we travel. But we get up in the mornings and we get put that key in that car and back that thing out and run to town, run all over town and never one time offer a prayer to God. Hallelujah. It, it, hallelujah. Is Abraham the boy and I going up to worship? Hallelujah. We're going to come back. He, he said, oh, glory to God. Let me tell you, listen to what he said. He said, the boy and I are going up to worship and we're coming back. He knew, he knew if he killed that boy, that God was going to raise that boy up because he killed that boy. The promise is killed. I want you to know they tried to kill the promise. And the Bible said if they would have known who Jesus was, they would not have crucified him because when he got out of that grave and went back to heaven and poured out the Holy Ghost, there's months of millions of little Christians running around every day, little Christ-likes running around every day with the power and the glory of God in their lives. He knew he was coming back, and he knew the boy was coming with him. He knew that because he testified to it before it ever happened. So pray for your children. David was old and about ready to die. He prayed this prayer. He said, God, I want you to look after Solomon now. I'm fixing to go. 
He's young and he's tender. Do not expect from your children what you are. They're young and tender. Sometimes I think my age forgets there was ever a child. Hmm? Someone asked my mother, her name was Marie, had four boys. Three of us is just a little over a year apart in our ages. She said, Marie, will your boys do so-and-so? She said, not while I'm looking at them. You might think you can protect them when you're looking at them, but I want you to know there's a God that signed an angel to them that got your children protected. Amen. Glory to God. So they fasted and prayed for the right way. They fasted and prayed for the children. I want to encourage you to make it a habit on a daily basis. God is rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Well, I got to get up and cook breakfast. Get up 30 minutes earlier. Amen. Jesus asked this question one time. said, can't you pray just one hour? An old man was sitting at the railroad station one day, just sitting there. And a young man come running, just running. He's just running as hard as he could to catch the train. He missed the train. And the young man looked at the old man and said, I guess I should have run a little faster. He said, no, son, you ought to start it earlier. Huh? Well, glory to God. You ought to start a little early. Praise God. Don't wait the rooster get you up. You get the rooster up. Amen. Glory to God. Well, I, I'm not, you, you need to get up and pray. You need to take some time to meditate on the Lord and watch your life change. Get in the right way and pray for your children. Don't let a day go by that you don't pray for their children. They prayed for their children. And then the next thing they prayed for is their possession. Their possession. I mean, you know, you need to pray over your finances. You need to pray over your home. Peggy and I had to go to a the doctor's appointment, I believe it was the day we got, I believe it was nine calls, wasn't it, within a few minutes. I mean, your Amazon account, what was 900 something dollars? He pushed one or pushed two or whatever, and we'd just cut it off. In a little while, it'd ring again a different voice. She was getting a little aggravated with it. I said, I can fix that. That I fixed that. Said, get ready. We fixed to leave. I went in there with the house where all them phone lines come in that house. Got one plug in it. Just reached up and pulled that buddy out. And just laid it on the floor. I said, let's go. That fixed that. I want you to know that God can put a thought in your mind how to stop something that's aggravating you and frustrating you and causing you to run up the wall and pull the sheetrock off. He knows everything. There's not anything he don't know. The Bible said everything was created by Jesus, for Jesus, before the beginning of the world. He's pretty smart, isn't he? Yeah, he's pretty smart. You need to pray over your possessions. Someone told Peggy the other day they checked their bank account on their phone every day. I'll tell another guy about that. He said, I check mine twice a day. You can check it all you want to. But I'm telling you, there's some boogers out there can get in what they think got secured. Company called my brother's wanted to put this lock system on his account and his money and, and you know all that kind of. He said, "If you're so concerned about me and my money, he said how come you didn't put it on there before you called me?" See, I want you to know there's a God up in heaven can look after your life, everything that you have. He can protect it. They fasted and they pray for the right way. They fasted and they pray for their children, and they fasted and they pray for their possessions. Because what they had did not belong to them. I want you to know, I don't care what you have does not belong to you. You came naked in this world, and you're going to leave naked. What you got, Nicky Willis's daddy was Lupton Willis. He said, a life ain't nothing but a bowl of gravy. You come with nothing, and you're going to leave with nothing, and all in between is just like licking gravy. But God can protect you. When you fast and pray and expect God to do something, expect God to do something. Glory to God.
to share something up with you, and then they'll get ready to come and sing. We're going to ask you to come to get prayed for. Amen. It doesn't matter. Esau met Jacob. Jacob fell down on his face and called Esau my Lord. I want you to know how he has changed, how 21 years have changed him in Laman's house. He fell down and called him my Lord. And Esau said, let's get going. Let's go home. Jacob said, you go ahead. You go ahead. Me and the children will follow. Hmm? Because you're going to go so fast, it's going to damage the children. Let me say again, don't expect your children to be what you are. Hmm? If you expect that, let me recommend a book for you. The Seven Habits of Highly Effective Men. National bestseller. About a man, I believe he had four boys. He tried to treat them all the same. But the youngest one was so much different, it caused so much trouble. He come to realization that he couldn't treat them all the same. Everybody don't move at the same space, same period. He had to change. But Jacob was wise to take care of the children. He said, you go on, Esau. I'll come on and I'll follow you with the children. Our children are precious to God. Jesus took them in his hands and said, Suffer, allow the children to come unto me. And he blessed them. So your children are blessed. They're not under that corruption. I'm going to repent. I'm not going to quit. Let's go back to getting in the right way. David sought 32,000 noblemen, men, and priests and kings how to bring the ark home. They told him to bring it on a cart. Devastation came. David got so hurt. He wept and cried because he's trying to bring the glory of God back. And then he got down on his face and asked God, which is the right way? And he said, because I did not seek him by due order. And God told him the right way. And you know the rest of the story. When Paul was transformed from Saul to Paul, he was filled with the Holy Ghost when Ananias laid his hands on him. He was a transformed man. He went into the wilderness, the desert, for three years and didn't talk to no one. And then he went up to Jerusalem. And this is what he said. I did not consult flesh and blood. I went up to not get advice from Peter. I went up to see that I was in the right way. You need to find out that you're in the right way and seek God but do order. And I guarantee you, glory to God, and the anointing will come home. When you're carrying the anointing in the right way, it'll come home. It'll come to your life. It'll come to your family. When you sought God by due order, God bless you. You ought to say, I'm going to have a miracle today. You are a miracle. Just being here, you are a miracle, and God has something special for you. Every breath you take in, God has something special Hallelujah. Spiritual breakthrough. Fast and pray and, and make it a habit to do that. God bless you as they come. Look for something great to happen in your life.